back to school time can be especially stressful for families of kiddos with food allergies. So what did I do? I made a checklist to help you be more prepared and less stress about back to school during COVID-19. What's top of the list? Keep listening to find out. Welcome to Food Allergy and Your Kiddo with Dr. Alice Hoyt, the podcast about demystifying food allergies, diminishing allergy anxiety, and taking back control. Let's navigate this challenge together with evidence-based information, scientific research, and tried and proven practices. And now, here's your host, board-certified allergist and immunologist specializing in food allergy, Dr. Alice Hoyt. Hey, y'all. I'm Dr. Alice Hoyt. Welcome to today's episode of Food Allergy and Your Kiddo podcast. I'm really excited about today's topic because there are so many questions right now about how can kiddos go back to school safely, and I want to give you guys, my listeners, some tactical guidance on how your kiddo with food allergy can be as safe as possible at school. Now, I am going to focus on food allergies here because I think that's what you guys are asking for. Um, So let's dive right in. I have a checklist that's available on the info blog called Food Allergy Back to School Checklist During COVID-19, and it highlights five items that you need to have, you need to do to really try to optimize your kiddo's safety when your sweet pea does go back to school. So let's start with number five. Number five is the school needs to have a school-wide medical emergency response plan. And you're probably thinking, Dr. Hoyt, what are you talking about? Schools are required to have a medical emergency response plan in place in case a child, God forbid, has a sudden cardiac arrest on the basketball court or in case somebody does have a severe anaphylactic reaction. Um, All of these sudden onset acute medical emergencies warrant what's called a medical emergency response plan. Many of you who are listening are aware of the Code Anna program. That is the nonprofit program that I started years ago to help equip schools for medical emergencies like anaphylaxis. And through this program, schools are able to learn how to develop and implement their own medical emergency response plan. It's a lot like like a fire drill, except it's like a medical drill. And when you look at the numbers, what's more likely to happen in a school, a fire or a medical emergency, a medical emergency. So it's really important that schools have a practiced medical emergency response plan in place so that a core group of adults can respond to a sick child or adult in some cases in a very timely fashion. I think we all can agree that teachers, school personnel They're really the first first responders when it comes to medical emergencies in the classroom. So having a medical emergency response plan is of paramount importance, especially now with COVID. Lots of school protocols 
are changing, they're being adjusted. So you want to make sure that your Sweet Peas school is still thinking about what is our school-wide medical emergency response going to be. So that's the fifth item on the checklist. The fourth item on the checklist, teacher training. What I mean by teacher training is having teachers know how to recognize and respond to an allergy emergency, but also how they can prevent an allergy emergency and how they can prevent some of that bullying that can happen sometimes when it comes to food allergy. For teacher training regarding epinephrine auto-injector use, leaning back into the Code Anna program, Code Anna has on its website, Code Anna, C-O-D-E-A-N-A.org, and again, that'll be in the show notes um, and on the info blog. Code Anna has on its website where you can go to their resources page and watch a video of how to use an epinephrine auto-injector. This video was approved by the state of New York a few years ago. It's been approved by many other states since then. Um, Codana has its own course that people can take to, uh, to earn a certificate showing that they know how to use an epinephrine auto-injector. But if someone just needs to, to see how to use it, they don't need a certificate, they just want to learn how to use it, they can go to the codana.org website and watch the video. Have the teachers do that. Have the teachers watch the video, learn what a food allergy reaction looks like, how they can prevent it, and what to do if, God forbid, your sweet pea accidentally ingests their allergen. We want our teachers to be trained, especially right now, where so many teachers are staying with one group of students, as opposed to a lot of times students changing classes, um, Due to COVID-19, some of the school strategies are to keep certain teachers with their group of students to limit exposure. So make sure your teachers are trained on how to recognize and respond to an allergy emergency. And this too leans into making sure the school has a school-wide medical emergency response plan so that your kiddo's teacher knows what to do immediately, how to use that auto-injector, but also how to get help. Okay, that was the fourth thing on the list. The third thing on the list is your epinephrine auto-injector, right? Your kiddo has to have an in-date, up-to-date epinephrine auto-injector. Also, most kiddos, by the time they're um, in early grade school, they know how to use their device. So if your kiddo knows how to use his or her epinephrine auto-injector, whether it's EpiPen or AviQ um, or a generic one or, or one of the other types of devices, then talk with your allergist about whether or not sweet pea can self-carry. Because especially now with less changing classes um, and, and just sort of all the uncertainty and changes in procedures, we want to make sure that your kiddo has the medication that he or she needs as quickly as he or she needs it. The other thing I want to highlight, and this isn't necessarily a COVID issue, this is just an issue, is that if a child's epinephrine auto-injector is at school and the child is, is someone who takes the school bus from home to school, 
then it's very possible and often occurs that a kiddo, you know, has an epinephrine autoinjector at home and has one at school, but they don't have one on the bus. So it's just always important to have access to the emergency medication your kiddo needs, in this case, epinephrine from an auto injector, because there's not stock epinephrine on school buses for the most part. If your school district has stock epi on the bus, send me a message and let me know. Um, but for the most part, they're, they're, the auto injectors are not on buses. So, so this could be a time to really identify, okay, where, where have we been super cautious with Sweet Pea, but where can we step up our safety game? And this is one area that a lot of parents are like, oh yeah, we have it here, we have it at school, but now little Johnny's riding the bus and little Johnny needs to have his medication just in case. It's always important too to teach kiddos um, to, to carry their devices, to have them with them and and that that's their responsibility. And this comes back to transitioning from being a young kiddo to a tween to a teen and to an adult. So really transitioning from a pediatric care model of the parent is in charge to more the adult care model of it's it's the kiddo who is really taking responsibility of his or her medical condition. So it's really important that we have an up-to-date epinephrine auto-injector, that it's available at all times, and that your kiddo knows how to use it, and also that your kiddo knows how to ask for help um, and how to convey, hey, I'm, I'm having a problem. We never want kids, if they think they're having an allergic reaction, going to the bathroom by themselves, none of that. So number three on our list, we just talked about epinephrine auto-injector. And what goes hand in hand with having an up-to-date epinephrine auto-injector is having an up-to-date anaphylaxis action plan. And that's a plan that's written down that you and your allergist and your kiddo will go through regarding when to use epinephrine for what symptoms. Oftentimes, this plan is signed by your doctor, signed by you, and turned into your school so that your school also knows how and when to use the epinephrine auto-injector. These are available on lots of food allergy websites, but also check with your school because some schools require certain forms to be completed. So whenever I think of up-to-date epinephrine auto-injector, I'm also thinking of up-to-date anaphylaxis action plan. Okay, moving right along. Number two on our list, we want to have a safe eating plan. And this is getting more COVID specific because We've thought for years now about how can we make cafeterias safer? How can we limit food in the classroom? And now a lot of schools are in a position where they feel like it's best to have kids eating their meals in a classroom as opposed to in a larger area because they really do want to limit these large groups that do increase the risk of spread of COVID-19. So that that puts eating meals into classrooms, which food allergy families um, have been have been advocating against for many years now for multiple reasons. One reason being a safety issue. We don't want a kiddo in the classroom accidentally eating um, accidentally eating a candy that has the kiddo's allergen, right? But also there's the social issue of everybody in the classroom can have the candy except for this little kiddo because little Sarah has a peanut allergy, so she can't have the candy. Um, 
The other thing that I've seen is where there will be signage outside of the classroom saying no treats in this classroom because there is a food allergy. There's no evidence that shows that that type of signage prevents allergic reactions. And unfortunately, this type of signage could actually promote targeting, meaning a kiddo could be bullied by another child who is accusing the kiddo with food allergy of it being that child's fault that the class can't have treats. So while limiting foods in the classroom is a very good idea, using signage to attribute that policy to a kiddo with food allergy really isn't an evidence-based concept and could inadvertently do more harm than good. Now, if you're listening, you're a school nurse or a teacher, and you do that, I am not trying to hate on you guys at all. It, it actually shows that you're really trying to take amazing care of these kiddos, which is fantastic. I love to hear that people are really trying to come together to take the best possible care of all kiddos, especially kiddos with food allergy. So then what about allergy-free tables? There is evidence that allergy-free tables do help prevent episodes of anaphylaxis. So nut-free campuses, not particularly helpful, so says the evidence, but allergy-free tables have been helpful. Now, what I don't like about allergy-free tables is that it alienates a kiddo based on their medical condition, and we don't like that. So what I learned from a school many years ago is to flip it. And I think the evidence will support this when this study is, is performed is that by putting the allergen at one particular table, so focusing, concentrating the allergen in one spot so that then your kiddo with the allergy can sit wherever they want to sit except at that one table, then you're optimizing safety in that classroom while also not alienating a child based on their medical condition. So that's where I've seen in real life practice. And again, I learned that from one of the amazing schools that I've worked with. Shout out Covenant School. So that was number two, have a safe eating plan. Definitely have the location, know exactly where in the classroom food will be um, and talk with your teacher, your kiddo's teacher about that and really try to understand what they're planning. A lot of times too, the teachers will want your input because they're going to want to know that you're comfortable and that your little kiddo feels comfortable going to school. I mean, there's already enough to worry about, right? To put that on top of it. I just know that a lot of teachers really want kids to feel good about coming back to school. We have so many great teachers. Okay. Number one, y'all. Number one on the checklist of food allergy back to school during COVID-19 is to have up-to-date allergy status. What do I mean by that? What I mean is make sure that your kiddo has seen his or her allergist this year. I meet so many kiddos in clinic who haven't seen an allergist either ever and have been diagnosed with a food allergy years ago, or they last saw an allergist like five years ago, or they just kind of sometimes see an allergist and, and aren't really that interested in coming every year. I have a conversation with my patients about how important it is to see an allergist every year for a few reasons. One, I want to make sure that you have an up-to-date epinephrine auto-injector and that you know how to use it. 
especially when it comes to kiddos, they're transitioning into adulthood. So I need to see when are they ready to self-carry? Do they know how to use it? Do they know how to talk with teachers? And do they know how to talk with their peers about their food allergy? Another reason I like to see patients every year is so that we can get an up-to-date allergy status. Now that doesn't necessarily mean annual testing because skin prick testing, blood testing, as we will talk about in an episode of this podcast, does not diagnose food allergy. It certainly plays a very important role, but ultimately the gold standard and diagnosis of a food allergy is the reaction and how we measure a reaction is with an ingestion challenge. There are many kiddos who have positive skin blood testing to many tree nuts who actually are only allergic to maybe one tree nut. If we as allergists don't do that thorough evaluation that includes the challenges, the ingestion challenges, then we might be having people avoid foods that they don't necessarily need to avoid. So if I can take a kiddo who was previously avoiding peanut, tree nuts, sesame, and sunflower, And we can work through all those through evaluation, testing, and ingestion challenges, and then get them to just avoiding peanut and almond, and they can enjoy the other tree nuts and those seeds, then that takes a lot of the burden away from the kiddo, away from the family, because they just have to focus on those two allergens now. And... I have had situations very similar to that. Another reason it's important to know your kiddo's allergy status is for planning purposes, especially if you and your family are considering a 504 plan, which you should talk with your allergist about and you can also talk with your school about, which can help make accommodations for kiddos who have life-threatening food allergies. So all of those reasons are why that is The number one thing you want to make sure you do, of course, you want your kiddo carrying their epinephrine auto injector. When they're old enough and mature enough, you want them to know how to use it, but you also want them to know what their allergens are, what their allergy status is. So that's the checklist. What do you think? What ways are you prepared and what ways do you need to get prepared? Send me a message, go to foodallergyandyourkiddo.com and shoot me a message. Definitely sign up for our email list because you will get to learn about cool opportunities where you can learn even more about food allergy and your kiddo. And I want to answer y'all's questions. And I think today I definitely answered some of y'all's questions. Do remember that I am an allergist, but I am not your allergist. So make sure you talk with your allergist, with your kiddo's allergist, about what we've discussed here so that your kiddo can have the most up-to-date, personalized medical plan possible. God bless you and God bless your family. Thanks for listening to this episode of Food Allergy and Your Kiddo with food allergist, Dr. Alice Hoyt. For more information on navigating the world of food allergy, visit www.foodallergyandyourkiddo.com and follow Dr. Hoyt on Twitter at Dr. Alice Hoyt. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Let's take the anxiety and confusion out of food allergy. Food allergy.